I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 167 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it is time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Today, I have the honor of speaking with combat veteran and former Navy SEAL Jeff Nichols. So please stick around for the interview. Next week, we are starting a new month, and I will be hitting you guys with a five-banger, and it is an all-star lineup, so you dads have got to lock it in. I have an incredible guest list, a bunch of dads who are joining me here to start off the month of April. Monday, legendary skateboarding sensation Tony Hawk will be here with me, and you cannot have a serious conversation about skateboarding or the X Games without including Tony Hawk, who is a first-class father as well. So lock it in for that. It's going to be a fantastic episode. Tuesday, we are going to go international to take a trip across the pond for a Transformation Tuesday-style podcast. Two-time Britain's Strongest Man, Scott Reed, will be joining me, so that one's going to be awesome. Wednesday, we are going to have a Warrior Wednesday podcast. I could easily move this one to a Frogman Friday as well because Wednesday's guest is the only man accepted by the Navy SEAL community who can rock the trident without ever having graduated buds. I am talking about Riyad Al-Almadi, better known by his codename Johnny Walker. Riyad just became a U.S. citizen recently, and his story is absolutely incredible. He was a Iraqi interpreter who served hundreds of missions with the Navy SEALs. It is truly an honor for me to have him here on the show. Uh, he is a first-class father all the way. So uh, if you are unfamiliar with him, I would really encourage you guys to Google codename Johnny Walker and check out just a little bit of his story because you'll be blown away. Thursday is going to be an entrepreneur who built a multi-million dollar real estate empire. He is extremely successful. Grant Cardone will be here with me, and I'll be doing my interview with him on Zoom. So it will be my first video interview. I'm really excited for that. Next Friday will be another Frogman Friday. We're going to have another Navy SEAL joining me here on the podcast to find out just who it is. You got to follow me over on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace, and I will be posting that announcement coming soon. All right, so follow me over there and find out who's going to be our next Frogman for next week. All right, so let's go, dads. Is that a lineup or what? I mean, next week we're going to have a legendary skateboarder, Britain's strongest man, an Iraqi hero, a multimillionaire, and a Navy SEAL all in one week. So please, subscribe to the podcast and tell every dad in your neighborhood or in your contact list about the number one podcast celebrating fatherhood and family values, Fatherhood Rocks, Family Values Rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me, and I'm going to jump right into the action now with former Navy SEAL Jeff Nichols. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a combat veteran who served the majority of his time as a United States Navy SEAL. He is a certified strength and conditioning specialist who trains people for military, law enforcement, and professional athletic careers. It is truly an honor for me to say, Jeff Nichols, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate you having me. All right, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they? 
I have one son. He's uh, 12 years old, going on, I think, 35 is pretty much how acting. Yeah, I've got four children. My oldest is 12 as well. He's about to be a teenager, so we are buckling our chin straps over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm prepping as well. <laughs> All right, what type of uh, sports or activities is he into? You know, he's a... Uh it's kind of cyclic he's in that timeline where like every kid is into video games and that social aspect but growing up it was a little bit of everything just like i was uh but more so he's kind of more on like the non-traditional sports side like rock climbing snowboarding skiing uh those sort of winter activities i'm not sure that's because he was born in colorado lives in virginia here with me but he he tends to like some of those non-traditional sports better Okay, very cool. Jeff, please take a minute here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. All right, let's see here. Uh, in no particular order, right? Grew up in a small town in Iowa. I went, to, went away to college, played baseball in college. Uh, ended up in Alabama at Troy University. Played baseball there under scholarship and stayed on as a strength coach for a couple years. So that puts you to timeline about 2003 when I joined the Navy spent 11 years in the Navy, um, all of which was pretty much in the, in the SEAL teams other, other than, like, obviously the points in getting through selection stuff. So been out, I've been out since 2013, and I went back to teaching. So, like, I'm, I'm my, I got my degree in exercise physiology. So te- essentially I'm an exercise physiologist uh, with an interesting background in, in the military. Awesome. Now, when did fatherhood come into this picture for you, Jeff? Were you on active duty at the time, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, it certainly did. I was I was in the, in the teams at the time. I was it was in between my first and second deployment. It, it wasn't a planned pregnancy. Uh, that doesn't mean it wasn't a wanted pregnancy. It's just to give people just an idea of this, like, ha, ah, surprise kind of thing, and in, and in between. Uh, to deployments, I guess, when we found out. My son was actually born uh, about four months remaining into my second deployment. So I came home for that, actually. I was home for three weeks for my son's birth and went back to deployment, finished out the last six weeks of it. And then uh, I guess, you know, long story short, you know, he, he's, he's been through a lot of those deployments, but he was pretty young for most of them. So he doesn't remember many of them, actually. Did having a son and becoming a dad influence your decision to leave the Navy earlier than maybe you would have had you not become a parent? No, it certainly did. You know, I, I think it's a you know without getting super long with it, it, it certainly contributed uh, in large part to me getting out. And I think that was, I guess, very congruent with with what what your podcast is about. My father and mother were were always there for me, like every sporting event that they could, you know, within reason. And my son being now in middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, where to me, and you mentioned sports, sports was such a such an amazing creative outlet for me as a child, and that's what I'm hoping for my son. You know, it may not be sports, you know, he loves the dancing, those sort of things, so I'm going to support, support that creativity side and not really what sport is. So, you know, bringing the big ship around is, that's what my parents were able to do for me. So I got out because I really want to be there, especially right now, um, for my son to really support that creative timeline that he's in. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really love about fatherhood, Jeff, is that it forces us to kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable, as you guys in the teams always say. My oldest son became very interested in chess at an early age. I never knew a pawn from a rook, but it forced me to learn and change, and now we all love playing chess in my family, and it's something that I never would have considered uh, had I never become a father. Right, it's interesting because it's like I'm trying to look at the world through like these actually subjective eyes with my son where his grades are amazing. He's, he has already been registered with a very high IQ. His behavior in school is good. My point is, is, you know, I think we're very quick to say video games are terrible. But I'm looking at it going, okay, well, he wants his ultimate goal is to be a pilot, a fighter pilot. He wants to buy Raptors. And I'm looking at it going, well, how, how is it that we develop the neurological development to, to a degree outside of physical activity and classroom stuff? Well, I'm looking at video games going, well, it's essentially it's a simulator. So I'm trying to figure out how do I support this technological advancement for our kids right now, but also still get them off the, off the couch and, and being active. So I'm currently struggling with that a little bit. Yeah, and many of us are struggling with the technology as well. But, Jeff, I'm curious to ask you, because you do train and prepare people for high-risk careers, whether that be military or law enforcement. And I, I can understand how that works physically, but how do you prepare men and women for the mental stress of being shot at or being in a combat situation or, or even having people die around you? I mean, uh, you know, simulation is one thing, but how do you kind of prepare people for the reality of that? Well, I think that it's a perspective there's a bit of a shift that has to happen for people like that, is that understand that, like, if you look at sport or you look at the tactical population, what's what's visibly seen in the media, it's the home runs, the touchdowns, the catastrophes, it's it's the it's the crescendos and the climaxes of life. And, but that's not how we develop these things, right? How do we learn to walk? We do it very, in a, hopefully in a very safe manner with our loving parents around us, you know, facilitating that, that walking, like learning anything. It's like we don't, we don't start with calculus. We learn basic, basic, basic mathematics. And so because the visual is like, well, I want, I want the end state. I want to be a Bryce Harper. I want to be a Navy SEAL. Well, the process, people, we, we've, we've, we've basically underemphasized the necessity of a great process now, now, because again, the focal point is the end state. So for me, to answer your question directly is that I put a lot of focus on the process and not the end state because if we can use BUDS as an example, it's a guarantee that the people that show up to that course, there's a guarantee that some will graduate and that process of BUDS will create a seal. So that's, it doesn't just snap the fingers, right? There's a long process even before that to physically prepare. So, again, my, my very long answer is, you know, process and formulating a process and stop looking at the end state. Very well said. And we know, of course, that with BUDS uh, comes a very high attrition rate. But unfortunately, what also has a pretty high failure rate right now is marriages. Many of them are ending in divorce. And the number of kids who are growing up without a father or father figure in the home has skyrocketed here in the United States. And a bit of that has been from men who are just quitting on their family, quitting on their responsibility of being a father. And is there any way that we could apply this never quit mentality to marriage and to family? Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think for me, the answer, the solution, or whatever you want to call it to that sort of, I agree, it's, it's a bit of a pandemic 
and that's not a point of judgment because I was equally as guilty with whether it's, you know, being a terrible husband and those sort of things as well. Guilty. Like, I'm not throwing any stones in my glass house. But I, I, I agree, and, and the only thing that I can say about that where I feel like where's my point of impact is I think that subjective behavior is always considered to be, you know, vulnerability, and vulnerability is considered to be weak. And I, and I think that that's, that's a twist that we need to start looking at. We go, now, granted, in the, you know, the objective nature of making critical decisions when life matters, like, we don't want to take away that objective component, right? We don't want to train that objective component. But we have to understand when it comes to health, right, emotional health, physical health, those are all subjective components, right? Love, patience, kindness, creativity, those are all subjective. And it's very strange because, like, there's this amazing creative subjective component of our military, adapt and overcome, mental toughness, all these sort of things that, that manifest themselves. And, and I, I guess, you know, getting off my box just for a second, I think that we have to be okay with making mistakes and saying, hey, I've made, made a mistake, and then because it seems to me now we're in a place where if someone changes their mind, you're a hypocrite. Where it's like, no, 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 I've changed my mind. That's growth, not hypocrisy. But if we're always in a state of changing our mind and constantly changing our mind, yes, that's hypocrisy. But I think that that's what a lot of people are afraid of, and even a relationship is like, I'm changing. After all these years of stress in the military, I'm changing, I'm changing, and I'm afraid to express that to my spouse. And, and I think that that's just a, you know, that, that's a point of control that a lot of us, me in particular, I, I have and had a hard time giving up that control because I feel vulnerable and I felt weak. It is time to get an important word from our sponsors and then back with more from Navy SEAL Jeff Nichols. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Kids are not born with a politeness gene. You can parent by example, which is a good way for kids to learn about sharing, proper behavior, table manners, and so on. But there's an app that reinforces every good thing you're teaching your child. The SirDap Game Show app challenges players ages 5 to 8 to choose good behavior in fun scenarios with quirky cartoon characters that keep good humor in the mix. Check out SirDap.com. That's S-I-R-D-A-P-P.com to learn more. Yeah, very well said. That is an open and honest view of yourself. And just swinging it back here to technology uh, for a second, because we both have 12-year-olds who are just about to get into the thick of it here with social media and all the dangers that go along with that. Um, Does your son have social media accounts yet? And how do you kind of handle or monitor all the technology time with him? You know, he he doesn't have uh, any social media accounts outside. Like he's got like an Xbox Live account. It's linked to my stuff so I can see what he's doing. You know what? I know I'm, at, it, I'm right at that critical point over the next couple of years too, where he's year year two, where he's going to want these social media accounts. And so for me, uh, I have a, I would consider, and most people might agree once you get to know me, I have a very interesting relationship with my son, very unique. And I mean this to the literal sense. There are zero secrets between my son and I, like there are none. And that's just something that I live by completely. Um, I think that communication is what 
is what's most important between my son and I, and we do that. So going going forward, I will, you know, compromise with with allowing him to do these things. But if he deceives me, it goes away. That's my rule. That's a strong stance right there, and I have no doubt that you'll hold the line when it comes to that. But what scares me, Jeff, the most about the access to the Internet is the amount of pornography that's available. And no matter how much I try to monitor my son's device, once he's in the schoolyard, any kid with an unchecked device is all it takes, really, to gain access uh, through a simple Google search uh, to videos of very explicit sexual acts that can be very mind-blowing to a kid if it's his first you know, first experience even seeing a naked girl. No, I totally agree, and that's... That is right at that that age group too, where we've begun to have that conversation about um, about those topics. And my introduction to my son was this: was like I was like, okay, because you know the the note came home from school at sixth grade saying, hey, the school system is going to begin having talks over the next couple of days on these topics. If you you know agree to them, sign it, send it back to your son or daughter, or whatever. So I did that. He came home and I was like, all right, let's sit down and talk about everything you talked about. I was like, because the last thing I want to do is to to just assume, I, I, and I mean this out of respect and love for the school system, I can't assume that the school is going to deliver the information that I, that I want to in full. So we basically did a little bit of review, and then we talked about it. It made him embarrassed, and then it made him embarrassed. And I said, all right, here's the deal. I said, I go, when you're not embarrassed about this topic, I said, you know, then, then, you know, then and then you're ready maybe to have sex. I said, when you're able to walk into a Walgreens or a CVS, and I said, you're able to stand there in front of a total stranger, male or female, regardless of age, ask them to buy a box of condoms and have no issue having a conversation with them and buying it in front of them in public. I said, then maybe we'll have that conversation when, you know, when you're ready. I was like, but until then, I was like, your questions come to me. If you have any questions about sex, you come to me. And he was like, not an issue. That's it. He's embarrassed a little bit, but that's, that's the deal. So, I love that philosophy, Jeff. But honestly, uh, just the picture of my son walking up to the counter uh, asking to buy condoms is terrifying here. And like I said, I've got four children, and thank God my daughter is the youngest. She's only four. Um, and uh, when it comes her time to hit that dating scene, I, I may have to call up a few of the SEALs that have been on the show here to help me out. <laughs> you bet. Yeah, there's, I have two rules in life. I have two, I have two unforgivables in my life. You hurt, hurt animals or hurt children. There's, there's no, back, no way back for me. That's awesome, Jeff. And how about discipline when it comes to your son? Are you a spanker, timeout guy? How does a former Navy SEAL handle discipline when it comes to being a father? Man, yeah, like I was, I, I'm a believer in parochial punishment to an extent, like with purpose. Like my parents would, would, would give me uh, whoopings, right? But it was, it was very much on the emphasis of you get this once as a reminder, the second time is punishment, and it, it won't happen a third kind of thing. So my, and, and it's just the way that my father and mother are just super consistent. And, and that, that's what I learned is when my parents said, don't do this, they meant it. And there wasn't, well, little Jeff can do No, here's the rules. You broke them. Here's your punishment. So be consistent is my, is my number one rule. Number two, make the punishment something that you can, you can stick to as a parent. Because we can get all fired up and go, you're grounded for a month, and you're like, that's just so not reasonable, right? When it's just really, it's like, you know what? This Saturday, when you're supposed to go with your friend, you're not going now, and you're going to help me around the house. That's far more effective. So be consistent. Make your punishments manageable. I did 
do spankings, and those ended very quickly because he was my son was too smart. He would just look at me afterwards, and he would protest. He would turn his shirt inside out, would cross his arms and just stare at me. He was pretty smart. So um, now, now it's just be consistent and hold him accountable when he makes promises. That's that's what he. That's what we deal with at twelve. All right, that's great advice right there. How about, Jeff, for the parents who have kids that are getting ready to graduate high school maybe this year and they're talking about wanting to pursue a career in law enforcement or military, uh, what kind of advice could you drop on those parents? I would say number point of, number one is, but I, like the rule that I have for my son is, you know, that, that the military, the law enforcement, the fire department, whatever it may be, whatever civil servant, that is not a fallback plan. Right, you are going to get your education. Um, my my rule to my son is: is you are going to start college. At that point, that's it. That's it. After that year, you can make a decision. But you are going to do a year of college and make a decision as an adult on your own. Because at that point, dad's not there anymore. You're on your own. Um, so that's that's what I tell parents: is that like be there to support your kids, right? And also understand that. If you are adamantly against what your kids want to do and they're adamantly opposed to what you want to do, there's, there's a bigger, there's a bigger issue than what they want to do. So I would say get to know your parents, ask your kids, ask, ask them. They're smart. Why is it you want to do this? And let them have it. If they can't find an answer, keep asking them. You know, I think that why, no matter what they do, but that why is crucial if you're going to be a civil servant. It's, it's imperative, that why. Now discuss that why. And you, might, you as a parent might find out that it's something we're supporting, or you might do exactly what you are. You know, as a worried parent, their self-discovery, they may start consider, reconsider something else. Get to know their why. Good stuff. All right, you've had a lot of success in your life already. Navy SEAL career in the books. What's next for Jeff Nichols? What kind of goals do you have for the future? My goals. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I used to have like these big ideas in my head of what I wanted to accomplish. And for me, that's, uh, that's not even in my head anymore. For me, my, my goals for the immediate future, the next three months, year, is just keep trying to help as many people as I can that are under service, right? Whatever that means for our military for our law enforcement, for our firefighters. And then, you know, within, I want to develop friendships, real friendships and communities across the country in those departments so I can help them find resources. Like, that's my big thing. I just want to get to know many as good people as I can so I can help them or find people that can help them. That's my goal. Very cool. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Jeff. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? I would say that, you know, for, for especially for a, for a new father, there is, if, if you're not afraid, like if you think you shouldn't be afraid, like that's, everyone's super afraid. There's no instruction manual, of course, and that's super cliche, but I can under, you can understand that on a serious note, regardless of where you came from as a child, like whatever your parents were to you, good, bad to you, it doesn't matter. You know, if you, if you look back and you dislike your parents, right, this is an opportunity to break that chain. Right? If you look at your parents like I did and go, man, my parents are, my mother's still alive, my father's passed, I had some amazing parents. 
this is an opportunity for me as a father to make my parents very proud. So make a choice. Very well said. Great advice. This has been an honor for me. Uh, Jeff Nichols, I got to say you are a first class father. Thank you for your service. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood. You bet you have a wonderful day. Okay, back with some closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Jeff Nichols for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to get your feedback. And then lock it in, guys. Next week, we got an explosive list of dads who are joining me here on the podcast, starting it off on Monday. Legendary skateboarder Tony Hawk will be here. We got two-time Britain's Strongest Man, Scott Reed. Wednesday, we're going to have Iraqi interpreter, codename Johnny Walker. Thursday, we got entrepreneur extraordinaire Grant Cardone. And then to finish it off with another Frogman Friday. So lock it in, dads. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Do whatever you got to do. Baseball season is back in town. Don't forget to hit that SeatGeek coupon code first class to save $20 on your tickets this baseball season. And I will see you guys on Monday. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, and it's all feeling so